Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. First and foremost, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into this episode. And it proves to be a good one. Uh... Mad Parts Kawasaki team members uh, on this podcast, Josh Cartwright, as well as Bubba Pauly, and uh, looking to add uh, Joan Cross as well. Uh, I guess you'll find out whether or not he's on this podcast. If you hear from him, uh, sometimes getting in touch with riders is kind of like herding cats. Uh, they're, they're elusive at times. They have all intentions of coming on the podcast, but let's face it, they just get busy. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an enthusiast of motocross and are looking to put a brand new bike into your garage. And if so, I would encourage you to go to BigMXRadio.com. The pinned first post is our raffle. We're raising money to host some clinics here in Manitoba, uh, which will be free of charge to those who enter. And it's something that uh, it's an initiative that's near and dear to my heart because riding schools were such a huge part of getting me into the sport and um, and just the, the sense of mastery that I had developed through riding as often as I did with instruction, I think that was a really powerful thing for me. And I want to be able to do that for uh, some new young riders. Uh, and that, that just means young to the sport, people who, uh, young and old, people who haven't raced before or uh, want, just want to get better at racing, uh, will be able to come to these clinics and, uh, and not have to be charged much, if anything at all. And uh, the, how we're going to fund that is by selling these raffle tickets. So when you buy raffle tickets through BigMXRadio.com, you are directly supporting the grassroots of the sport, the very beginning of it. And I think that's what uh, like the, the mission of trying to get more people to ride dirt bikes and race and, and, and be involved in the sport. This is exactly how to get it done. So uh, we've got a total of 12 prizes in total. Um, and I don't know why I said total twice there, but either way. Um, top prize, obviously. YZ 252 stroke 2022 edition, uh, but there, like I said, there are 11 additional prizes, including uh, a Reverend Oil package, Reverend Motors Oil package. There's some apparel in there as well, some get shit done coffee, as well as uh, Ryan Surratt, as well as Robbie Wageman have uh, submitted a couple of jerseys to be given away as well. That's Team Solitaire. Those guys are amazing. Some some kind of limited edition. Hard to get jerseys because uh, obviously those guys are only on the West Coast Supercross. Uh, shout out to Robbie for racing this last weekend in Dallas. I don't think you'll see him in Daytona, but um, yeah, 
like uh, go to bigmxradio.com, get yourself some raffle tickets, and I really would appreciate it if you guys did. It, it every time I see uh, my phone light up that uh, someone else has purchased some tickets, uh, it just warms my heart to know that people are uh, in support of grassroots racing efforts and uh, and growing the sport from the very basis of of going out there and doing some clinics, getting better on two wheels, and uh, and hey, maybe you end up with a brand new bike in your garage because of it. One ticket, twenty dollars. Three tickets. $50. If you want 10 tickets, you want to be able to win as many prizes as possible. Uh, 10 tickets will uh, will run you $120 US, 12 bucks a ticket. It's a great deal. And uh, all monies are going to go towards uh, supporting the sport. And uh, hopefully you guys will uh, be with me on that. So um, check out this podcast. I hope you enjoy this these interviews. Josh Cartwright, well-spoken young man. Uh, I think uh, it's it's kind of funny. We talked about it on the podcast that uh, uh, it's been talked about for a long period of time that he was a full-time student um, in Florida, and now he's an IT specialist and uh, actually sort of got his job that he currently has with the company he has uh, that is employing him uh, through the sport of motocross. The, his boss is a fan of the sport uh, and uh, basically offered him a position and uh, he also juggles that with a full-time racing series uh, to race Supercross. So uh, that's really cool. Uh, Bubba Pauly uh, also comes on to talk a little bit about uh, his career as well as the team. And, uh, and like I said, you might also hear some from Joan Cross. I haven't, he hasn't gotten back to me yet, but uh, hopefully he does. And if he doesn't, we'll, get, we'll catch up with him another time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please uh, give it a thumbs up. Uh, and uh, share it with a like-minded individual who also loves motocross. That would be fantastic. We'd love to see it. You guys have a great rest of your day, and enjoy this podcast with the Mad Parts Kawasaki Boys. Thanks for listening. And now to kick things off, let's throw this to an interview brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars with none other than Bubba Polly. And now welcoming onto the podcast in an interview brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars. Go to phoenixhandlebars.com right now to get your bike fitted up uh, for some brand new bars, grips, and uh, the the bar covers, bar pad covers that are just absolutely unreal. They, and, and I believe if uh, if you ask nicely, Jason will also uh, get you some of those uh, exclusive covers that were made for the the Mad Parks Kawasaki team this weekend when they were uh, doing something super special uh, racing uh, to raise awareness for uh, autism. Uh, now on the podcast, Bubba Polly, otherwise known as Theodore Polly, otherwise known as the Bubblicious one himself. Bubba, how's it going? It's good, man. I like that introduction there. I don't know. Not too many people call me Bubblicious, so maybe we'll have to get a butt patch made or something. Well, you can dial up uh, Colton over at uh, at Patched MX. I'm sure he can airlift one out, no problem. And now that uh, that James is no longer uh, a full time racer, uh, he's gone off to do the Bubba's World podcast. I, I think that you, the only Bubblicious one still on the track, is uh, is the one and only Bubba Polly. Yeah, I mean, James was a childhood hero of mine, so, um, of course, I went by Bo my whole life, so that was probably a reason why I liked him anyway, but, um, but yeah, always a ton of respect for that dude, I don't, I don't know, uh, I might have to ask for permission to get that, that on the butt patch, though, because he might have, I have claim to that for life. Mm, uh, fair enough, well, in, in, in fairness, uh, all things in respect to, uh, copyright infringement, and as far as motocross goes, uh, I'd assume that that contract is probably, uh, written on, uh, a napkin, so I think you'd probably be fine, uh, 
Um, how did people end up starting to call you Bubba to begin with? Um, and how did that boy end up uh, rising to the professional ranks of Supercross and then uh, essentially putting together a team, the Mad Parks Kawasaki team? Yeah, um, I was I was called Bubba my whole life. My dad's a Theodore. He goes by Ted. Uh, my parents just, you know, I guess my parents and sisters, Bubba was something that popped up as a baby, and it kind of stuck. I thought I'd kind of outgrow that name, when, you know, like a teenager and stuff, and then obviously racing. Um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Bubba's at the track, so I just kind of was known by that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, makes people remember my name a little easier maybe, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, a kid wanted to ride ride dirt bikes and uh enjoyed it and of course it's competitive with everything that i did any other sports that i played you know 10 years old when i started riding and instantly i'm like i want to race this thing that sounds amazing so got into racing and uh worked my way through the ranks it was never easy that's for sure uh just never quit got to this got to the supercross level and uh just i, I constantly saw opportunities to be better and branding yourself branding a team i saw and learned ways from other people about you know how to how to make it work financially and you know it just all kind of snowballed it wasn't necessarily a goal um to do that but in order to you know realistically make racing a career to have uh you know to have a team that you don't have to worry about having a ride on the next year you know putting it together myself and putting the resources into to racing you know covering expenses to go racing you know, getting mechanics and crew and everything, you know, paid every week and, you know, having a real team behind me was, was something that was obviously a very big piece to go racing on a professional level. And like I said, without relying on people to do that, I just decided, you know, hey, I'm going to make it happen for myself. And uh, here we are. Absolutely. And, and year over year, I see improvements to the program, uh, re- relationships, uh, continuing to build with some of your flagship co- companies that you've worked with, like FXR and LS2 Helmets. Those guys have been uh, on the team uh, seemingly since day one. Uh, same thing with Rhino Power Supplements. Uh, you, you've been able to take those opportunities uh, and like... Um, uh, dedicated Rodco as well. Companies like that to uh, to work with them consistently over time and, and to build something that uh, we talked about this off air uh, is something that has consistently been able to uh, put three bikes in the night show and and, and this year uh, having Joan Cross uh, make multiple main events in the 450 class, which is not easy to do whatsoever. That that. 22-man gate is full of the heaviest of heavy hitters in the 450 class. And then uh, just this last weekend, two weekends in a row, in fact, uh, top 13 in qualifying with none other than Josh Cartwright, who uh, we're going to throw to an interview with him a little bit later on in the show. Um, just speak, if you could, just to like developing those relationships and, uh, yeah, sort of betting on yourself a little bit to be able to uh, cultivate that on top of already having to like manage a, a professional racing career. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously having teammates, like I said, you know, is it's very important to make sure you have good people around you. Um, teammates that can help you teammates, you can work together with people that are valuable on every level. Um, you know, you have a super fast racer that's not, you know, marketable that doesn't communicate well with sponsors that doesn't speak well, you know? So, um, oh, we talked about that know, guy out there. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, Juan, uh, you know, he's from Spain, and you know, he has done, he does a really, really, really good job at, you know, the international marketing and, and everything with himself, and you know, all the sponsors and, and all that. And it's amazing. And Josh is a very well spoken, you know, writer that's born and raised in the Midwest like me as well, and he's got a really good reputation and. Um, you know, he takes care of himself and, uh, you know, put sponsors, you know, put sponsors first and where they, you know, where they need to be and what, what everybody's committed to. So, um, and obviously I do that too. And we talked about long-term relationships, working with the same companies over and over again, you can grow that into something that, you know, like we're at now and, and ultimately like where, you know, we want to go. Um, me and, uh, you know, my mechanic, Jake Price, we're talking about that just a couple hours ago while we were driving about you know in this industry you see a lot of companies and a lot of teams try to jump on board with a big sponsorship and a big deal right away and you know there's a lot of stress and a lot of commitment riding on that deal and you know i i really think it's better to to grow into it you know work together at a smaller scale and work your way up versus signing a big contract for big money and you know most often when that happens somebody ends up under delivering and uh you know the deal's over promise so I always say to, you know, under promise and over deliver and continue to grow. That's, that's the way to make a business relationship work. And, um, not all of them work out long term, but you know, the most of them do. And, and that's where we're at. You know, we, we don't have a lot of sponsors that come and go, you know, most, most companies we work with are, you know, multi-year deals. Um, and then, you know, every time we renegotiate, you know, we're working to, you know, just keep growing together. You know, everybody gives a little more, gives a little more on both sides. It's a two-way street, you know, not just like a company's providing more to us, you know, it's like, what can we do more for you? Uh, not just results, but, you know, interaction, presentation, promotion, everything, you know, it's a, it's a business deal. It's not just a, a handout and that's the way it needs to be, you know, uh, presented and worked. And, you know, that's what we've done. Like I said, most of the time it works out great you're always going to have those issues where, where, you know, things go a little sideways here and there. That's life. So, um, so yeah. And like, like you said, you know, the responsibility to take care of all that, have a team, you know, it's, it's all about who you select. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of my coaches the other day and, you know, I said this year I have a really good team of people that are responsible and, and get stuff done. Um, you know, I can trust everybody to get stuff done and make sure they're making the right decisions. And, you know, I said it, I've, I've had good people around me a lot, but this year is, is by far the best. And, you know, he, he said, he's like, well, you need to give yourself credit for that too, because, you know, you're the one that put it together. And, you know, I was like, oh, kind of reality check there. Cause I, I was just like, they're doing all this work and, you know, I need to get my shit together, you know, but at the end of the day, you look back on it. It's like, you know, we all work together, but at the end of the day, somebody, you know, myself is the one that kind of led the ship, you know? So, um, you know, everybody does a tremendous job, and, and uh, I'm super grateful for that. You know, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for, for a team. You know, a team aspect and a business aspect is, you know, a lot of the times get separated, but I feel like we do a pretty good job and, you know, get better even when things do go sideways. 
Certainly. And, and you've, uh, like I said, you, you've worked really closely with a lot of these companies to create a program that is, is steady and reliable uh, as your as the Kawasaki's that you currently run. Uh, and, and when something breaks, you guys call up uh, Mad Parts. That's a company that's been with you guys for, I believe this is the third season. Uh, tell me a little bit about working with those guys and, and how they've gone from being uh, a, a smaller logo on the on the shroud to, to having uh, essentially uh, the, the title spot. Uh, um, front and center there, and 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 just uh, like a little bit of, of uh, like, just give me some insight on that company if you could. Yeah, so MadParts.com is an online parts accessory uh, retailer. They're actually based out of Jonesboro Cycle in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, so we work with them on the dealership side, and we work with them as well on the online retail side. So um, yeah, those guys they do a lot for us. They take care of us and they're there, you know, like you said, it's their third year working together. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a two way street. You know, we try to promote them and, you know, they do what they need to do for us. And, um, you know, it's not just, Hey, call, call them up when you need something. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good relationship. Everybody's, you know, super happy and, uh, you know, they're going to grow and, you know, be the best, the best. And, uh, you know, we're giving them exposure on a international level. And that's, you know, that's, that's important. You know, we, we, uh, you know, always make sure that, you know, the light is shining, you know, from the, from the top. And, you know, obviously we don't want to miss everybody else, but, um, that, that helps out. But at the end of the day, you know, they're, uh, they're one of, you know, they're our biggest supporter at this point. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, Hemet and Ben and Josh and all those guys down there, uh, you know, they make sure we got what we need and they get it done quick. And, and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome working with those guys and they're moving into a new, new facility. Now they'll be there this year. It's going to be a 200,000 square foot facility and, uh, they've completely outgrown the facility they're in. And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more from those guys. Um, not just in our world, but even just the day-to-day -day power sports industry, uh, their names growing and, um, you know, they're hungry just like we are. So it's, uh, it's a good fit. That is such a good uh, thing to hear. Uh, more than anything, when you take on a sponsor, you, you, like your end goal is that you'd want to be able to shed so much light on their company that uh, not only are they able to help you with some advertising and support, but also uh, that through working with you, uh, and I'm sure it's not all, all just working with you, but they are able to grow and, and they were able to see dividends in their work. Uh, so that's got to feel good on your, uh, from, from the team side of point. Yeah. And there's nothing better than, you know, hearing somebody come to the race and saying they checked out, you know, this website or this company or they saw us using something and you know they they gave it a shot because they trusted our input and you know they they're happy to see that and hear they're you know had a good day riding because they went and used this or you know whatever it might be um you know that's firsthand proof that you know that, that hey people are paying attention to you and you need to represent people and and give them you know their best best job you can at presenting them you know because public is the one that the public are the people that go out and you know, make the, make the world go around. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're out there to do is, is to, you know, promote sponsors and, and make everything happen. 
Certainly. And, and like on, from a team standpoint, everyone knows the team riders, yourself, Bubba Pauly, as well as uh, Juwan Cross and Josh Cartwright. But there, there's more to a Supercross team than just the riders. Uh, and one of them is currently sitting uh, driver's seat, uh, helping you get across the nation to go uh, do some riding or at GPF. Uh, who are some of those behind the scenes guys who uh, really make everything tick and uh, on race day make uh, the, the Mad, Tarts, Mad Parts Kawasaki team? Uh, truly um, give the appearance of a, of a professional team. Yeah, man. Uh, we're, a, we're a smaller operation, but sometimes, you know, we end up with, uh, you know, it, there's there's a lot of good people that, that make this small operation feel like we're a factory team some days, you know. Um, even the bad days, you know, you look back and you see everybody busting their butt and, like I said, uh, Jake Price, he was my mechanic on the first half of the season. Uh, he's uh, the, the crew chief of the team, and he's now working with Josh Cartwright for the East Coast. And uh, Jason Watkins came in for the East Coast swing. He's going to be – he's working with me um, in the 450 class. And uh, Oriel Collette is from Spain. He is Juwan's mechanic. And, uh, yeah, we have Ryan Coote, team manager. Uh, my trainer, Denny Dooley. Uh, just, you know, a lot of people that are in and out of the races, uh, those guys are there consistently all the time. And, you know, that's, uh, amazing. No, certainly. Uh, it's, it's awesome to hear, uh, that not only do you have great sponsors, but you also got good team members that, uh, are able to all pull their weight and, and get things done. Um, you put on a lot of miles, uh, in the transporter. Um, tell me a little bit about more like the, the, the full spectrum of the duties that it, that are from, uh, uh, Bubba Polly when it comes to the team, like, uh, um, yeah, give give us the full rundown. Uh, so basically like what's the day-to-day like is what you're saying yeah yeah um i obviously you know like i said we all work well together everybody is responsible and you know manages themselves well um uh, you know when you're traveling with a group of they met five to eight people uh for six months you know <laughs> there's a lot of planning logistics organization that has to go down so um, you know, it's constantly like, Hey, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? And, um, you know, like I said, we're all adults, so we can figure things out, but, um, most often it kind of falls back on, Hey, you know, to me, what is the plan? So, uh, that's normally the first thing that happens day to day. What's the plan today? Where do we go today? What do we do today? Um, and, and try to make sure everybody's on the same page with that. And, uh, you know, everything from booking flights, doing the entry fees, or, you know, signing up for the races, uh, balancing the bank account, the budget, making sure we're on track with that, making sure finances are coming in, uh, making sure the, the hotel lodging is booked, you know, um, you know, all that, just trying to keep a, uh, oversight on parts and making sure the bikes are all good. You know, uh, like I said, Jake Price, kind of our crew chief, he's kind of got the main, main role on that to see, make sure that everything is, um, you know, make sure we have everything inventory to make sure that we don't need this or that. Um, but you know, all the mechanics carry their weight really well, kind of just are responsible for the bikes. Um, obviously, you know, like I said, we got to manage all of those things. Um, but like I said, I do this to go racing myself. I want to be better myself. Um, you know, you mentioned my teammates being in the main events. Uh, it's been a little bit too long since I've been in a main event, uh, but I've made five main events before. 
and I've been at over 100 consecutive Supercross races, and uh, you know, I'm hungry to be back in the main event. Um, you gotta get you know, in there, I, Bubba. I really... Do I have to like break out the wrenches and, and start wrenching for you? Is that what the like the magic culmination that's gonna get you in there? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I wish I knew the magic, the magic code. Like you said, the 450 class is deep. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're uh, making small gains. I feel like there was a time where I, I took quite a few steps backwards. Uh, but the field definitely did not let up. The competition got stronger and stronger and stronger. I might, maybe I may didn't take a step backwards, but I definitely didn't move forward at a certain point in time. And I'm. I'm definitely ready to move forward. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't want to be there forcing it. I want to, you know, to enjoy the journey and make sure that, you know, it's, you know, I'm thankful for everything as it happens, but, uh, you know, don't rush things. I was in a really good spot this last weekend and in the start of the LCQ, I was in, I went from fifth to fourth, um, tried to make a quick pass on the whoops into second and got together with, uh, Wageman and, at the end of the whoops and went down in the, the end of the opening lap and Juwan was just ahead of me. And, you know, I probably could have been a little bit more patient, you know, maybe waited to get by those guys in the whoops instead of, you know, kind of cut close to them. Um, it, so, you know, those type of things kind of where I'm, I'm leaning at, you know, don't force stuff. I, I kind of, I forced that a little bit. It's racing, of course, anything can happen, but, um, you know, be smart and, don't get too excited about certain things and definitely don't get too frustrated about certain things. Just go out and do what I know how to do. Like I said, I've been in that position before and, uh, you know, I, I know what it takes. And when, it, when those days come and those days happen for me, everything I've ever experienced has always been like days you're not even trying and the days you try the hardest are the days you get the worst results. So, um, but there's a lot that goes into it at pro racing. You know, you can't, uh, if you're in a position where you feel like you have to force something, chances are it's going to go sideways. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. You know, I want to be back in the main event and uh, enjoy the process and, and really take it in. And, uh, you know, I believe it'll happen uh, maybe sooner than later. Uh, but definitely before the season's over, I've been close quite a few times. Last year I was close quite a few times and um, didn't happen then. But, uh, but, but you know, like I said, it's what, it's what we do this for. So that's uh, – why I show up every week and uh, do all that other work to make sure I give myself the best opportunity to do it, make sure I have the resources, the team and the crew and, um, you know, achieving stuff feels good. So we're going to, you know, keep working towards that and uh, achieve those goals. Sure, man. Preach to the choir. I think that uh, main event's coming. Uh, maybe even uh, this weekend in Daytona, uh, I likely to be a good race for you. I think uh, the track should uh like kind of play into some of the things that you do well. I think the higher pace tracks are stuff that uh, um, sort of um, something that you particularly are, are really good at. Um, like you've raced Daytona a number of times. Uh, what's your take on the place? Like, and it's been a little bit different over the years. Uh, obviously you didn't race it back when it was in the daytime. It was a little bit different. That's, we were both probably on eighties at the time. Uh, but uh, what do you like about Daytona? Uh, yeah, Daytona is interesting. It seems to vary year to year, even though from a spectator standpoint, it's probably, probably more like the same, but, uh, I think momentum of the season. No, um, at least not that I'm aware of, but, um, so, but it, it changes 
more more than anything, I think for riders, it kind of depends on where they're at in the season, uh, things they're dealing with, momentum that they have, and the bike setup's a big thing too. Um, you know, if you're really comfortable on your bike leading up to Daytona, you have that extra confidence. And uh, you know, this year working with MX Tech suspension, and uh, this last weekend here in Dallas, I was more comfortable and confident on the bike than I I have been in a long time. We made some more changes, and it was good. So I'm excited to go racing this weekend, especially on a very unpredictable track like Daytona. You go in there more comfortable and confident on the bike, and that MX Tech suspension's working like the way it's supposed to, and you can make things happen uh, with less effort, if you will. So. Uh, I'm excited to to get down there and be on a little bit less traditional Supercross track and uh, have some fun and get dirty. For sure. And then uh, uh, at a place like Daytona, those uh, handguards you guys run will actually be doing something. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, running those circuit equipment uh, handguards. Uh, they're loud. They're uh, they're noticeable. And they do the trick, man. I think the bikes look good. And uh, showing out for that sponsor that uh, that's supplying those. I think that's cool. Yeah, dude. Uh, circuit equipment uh, is our second year with them. They, they hopped in last year. And uh, it was kind of a you know, more of a entry level, you know, agreement, you know, they were just kind of seeing how, how we operated. They were still kind of thinking about coming to the U S market. Uh, they're from Brazil. They're pretty big in South America and Italy and actually all throughout Europe. They actually have a couple teams in MXGP that use their stuff. They have some world enduro champions. Uh, they do a lot of stuff with some of the manufacturers as well. Um, so last year they're like, you know, Hey, we want to come to the U S good opportunity to work with a team at you know relatively low budget and uh it, they were really happy with what we did their product was great we believe in the product and uh so this year we you know continued that relationship grew on that and you know they're super happy they, they got an importer set up in orlando this year uh we met with them their product is going to be available and they'll be hitting different dealerships and it's available online in the u.s um, they have quite a few different products. They're going to be releasing those, you know, in waves as they're bringing them in, importing them to the U.S. So, uh, so it's, it's awesome working with, uh, working with those guys. And I really like working with the international companies because you hear different stories, you get different feedback, you see different levels of value there. Um, you know, it, it's really cool at the end of the day when you see a smaller operation like us have a global impact and companies from the other side of the world that, you know, their whole, you know, their database, their employees, you know, their fans, the people that use their product religiously in other parts of the world, you know, are following us. And, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. It makes you think, you know, how big of an impact you actually have. 100%. I think that's, uh, that, that just goes to show uh, how much hard work that uh, you truly put into it, man. I, I that, That's uh, like, it just, I'm so glad this year that it's continuously putting together for you. Um, final thoughts on uh, the rest of the season moving forward. Um, I hope it doesn't go by too fast. <laughs> um, you know, every year you go racing and it uh, seems like the years, the races go by faster and faster. And like I said, I just want to enjoy it and, uh, you know, make the most of it, not force anything and let the good things come to us. And, uh, you know, it's going to be Salt Lake City round 17 before we know it. It seems like we just started, and uh, you're going to look back every year, you know, and end of May, June comes around, you're like, oh, man, I went by fast. And then it seems so slow for the build-up to the next season. So um, 
you know, like I said, just uh, continue chipping away at what we're doing. The team growing, getting better, everything just dialing in, showing up every week and uh, and, and doing our best. And those results will come, but uh, it definitely enjoy it and make sure it doesn't go by too fast. That's the, that's the goal. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you guys taking some time for us uh, as you continue to uh, crawl across the uh, the great country of the United States of America. Best of luck in uh, in Daytona, and I appreciate the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate it as well. And off they go, continuing to drive across the vast landscapes of uh, the United States, Bubba Polly and his mechanic, uh, roadies i think they had two vehicles uh on the go there joan cross and the other vehicle um true privateers but a team doing it together and, and making that happen i uh, appreciate you guys listening to this podcast um thanks to all the sponsors that we have including reverend motors 204 skate shop and now this interview with josh cartwright which is brought to you by fox racing canada Welcome to the Big Max Radio Podcast, and this interview is brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. They've got an awesome sale right now, and I believe an extra 20% off all winter apparel. Foxracing.ca. Go check them out today. Get it done. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, it's first time on the podcast, but likely not to be uh, uh, his only time. He will be a repeat offender when he comes on the podcast for a second time and, and maybe third, fourth, and, and as many as we can get him on down the line. He's uh, he's number 519 in your program, and that means something to me because it was, it was 519 when I called him up to do this interview. Some time has passed since. It's about 20 past. But uh, that's none other than Josh Cartwright racing for the uh, – international supercross team with Bubba Pauly and all those guys. Josh, how's it going? Pretty good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Hey, no problem whatsoever. Like, uh, the, the clock strikes five o'clock. You're done for the day. Uh, and, that, and that means for those listening at home that uh, not only uh, can you qualify for, uh, for Supercross mains, but a triple crown, which I would argue is even more difficult to qualify for than just a regular like traditional Supercross, uh, you were able to do that this weekend and then uh, back nose to the grindstone Monday morning. My hat's off to you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a new uh, change of pace for this year. I got a, a regular job, um, a BI analyst for UT Dallas. Um, well, really, it's called UT Systems. Uh, it's an IT program that takes care of a lot of different colleges around the uh, University of Texas uh department and uh, but we're kind of we're paid by UT Dallas so it's a whole it's a whole world that I'm getting used to um I did my degree in IT so now I have a full-time job in it well there you go man and that, that's been a topic of conversation like basically anytime that you're on screen during uh, the broadcast or race day live uh something that's that's very different to your program than uh, a lot of others that you race with is that uh you were a full-time student or at least for the most part a full-time or a part-time student uh taking post-secondary education which um let's be honest that's not even for everybody let alone uh professional motocross racers someone who keeps at it um tell me a little bit about uh like you can talk about the the education side of it as well but balancing full-time work with the prep the preparation to race uh an entire series uh not totally unlike connor olson over at fox racing uh usa who uh, is a full-time rep and also goes pretty fast on two wheels 
Yeah, so yeah, that uh, definitely it was pretty awesome when I was doing the whole college thing. Um, so yeah, it was full time. I was a full time college student. My schedule was full time, uh, fifteen hours usually every single semester. So it was definitely a busy schedule. And yeah, I was pretty lucky that every single time I got on the screen, that they started talking about it, and it helped that I was a main event style guy. Um, I think I was probably one of the only ones that's ever done that in our sport, kind of being at the top level and still balancing that. So it was pretty cool because they were able to do like a special on me and stuff like that. And it's funny, like, even though I graduated like three years ago, tons of my friends still give me crap about it that they're like, dude, you still get all over the uh, news about it. Every single time you're on the TV, they still talk about that, even though it's been three years. And I'm like, Hey, it worked for PR. So, um, but yeah, now that I'm done with it, my parents, when I was a kid, uh, they were really big on education and the whole, um, uh, homeschooling thing with, in our sport was pretty big and I was always wanting to do it. And they're like, no, you're going to need a job when you're done with racing. So, and I'm glad that they kept me in school and now I have a full-time job. Yeah. So, um, I work, uh, my my actually boss's boss is a huge Supercross fan and uh, Scott Willett and that's kind of how I got into the middle of all this he saw that special they did on me three years ago and he said just let me know whenever you need a job we'll see what we can do and he's been a great mentor uh, my my boss Tony um, so he's been really great he kind of works around my schedule I'm still in the office all I work nine to five Monday through Friday but um, if I need to fly out on Friday morning or something like that, I just let them know, hey, I'm going to be like 30 minutes to an hour late. Um, I'll work an extra hour just to make up for that, and they're usually pretty cool with that. Um, so that's a lot of help there. Certainly it is. And uh, like going to show once again, uh, not always what you know, but also who you know, uh, see, like uh, a fan uh, of, of the sport sees your story connects with it relates to it and now that turns itself into a job not to say that you're not uh that you didn't get the job on your own merit but uh certainly doesn't hurt to uh to get to have someone go to bat for you like that and certainly feels good as well um and not to besmirch the good name of dan hubbard but uh, i'm fairly certain for the last three years that's all they've really known about you is that you went to school yeah, yeah, de- yeah. Definitely knowing people is a big part of the world, especially in like the j- world job world and everything like that. Like, um, a lot of people have degrees in this world, so it's all about who you know. So, I mean, connections, connections. Like, my mom has told me that my whole life. Like, she had a lot of connections in the racing world because she she was a team manager for an arena cross team, and like, so that helped me with getting a lot of sponsors, and it helped me learn that knowing people gets you further in life even putting in the work and knowing people so you got to do both you can't just know people so that really helped and yeah dan um yeah they, they always uh talk about me a lot on there it's pretty cool it was i will admit like going through the whole i was a college kid um uh, I, I wanted both being the college kid and to be an actual known looked at as a racer um that's why i was always like i wanted to be in the main events i didn't want to be like the kid getting talked about a lot and I was just making night shows and like, yeah, but he's making night shows. And it was cool that I was able to make mains and kind of show like, Hey, I can, I can do both. I can, I can race and, or I can do school and, uh, keep up with the best riders in the world that do this full time. And, uh, now that I'm in a full-time job, I'm kind of just, it's fun just seeing like, Hey, I can do both. So it's pretty cool. 
Absolutely it is. And hats off you for you to continue to do that. And you're right. It, it's not just that you are out there making the field and uh, and making the fast 40. Uh, a lot of guys can do that. Uh, and even still, guys at the back back section of the uh, those times are, are extremely skilled on two wheels. But you, you've threatened for, for main events. You've carried national numbers within the sport whilst also being uh, a, a student uh, and also racing both one the, the I was about to say 125s, but uh, 250Fs and 450s, uh, sort of lending your skill set to both of those. Uh, tell me about that a little bit. There's a lot of there's like there's always lots of talk, but of like the the factory guys, there's a huge risk to race one, one side of the of the series or ra- racing the other bike on the other coast. Um, and to be honest, like I, I just don't see it. You used to see guys like Kevin Windham and stuff like that back in the day jump on a 252 stroke uh, and go put in some races. Uh, hats off to you as well for being able to uh, be a master of both machines. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. The past two years, I raced the 450 class. Um, my rookie year was two years ago. Um, but yeah, I had a national number pretty much every year I've been pro. Um, but ever since I went 450, I've just had some injuries. Uh, I got hurt actually both years pretty much, kind of in the middle of the season or middle of the season on my rookie year, and then right before the season last year, I got hurt literally the week before a one, and I missed the whole first half. So. It kind of put me back a little bit, but I was able to make a main event in both seasons on the 450. And then this year when I went back to 250, I think riding the 450 gave me a lot of perspective and a lot of experience bringing it back to the 250. And this year I'm doing both coasts kind of. I'm doing the East Coast on the 250 and then the West Coast. I'm actually still riding the 250. I'm actually not riding the 450. Okay. Um, I'm still just, yeah, I'm still just riding the 250. White plates. I did a 3 yeah, just with white plates. I did a three. A biggest part of doing that was to get the bike ready, get get the ju- uh, juices flowing because it's it's never good to go to a first round just just cold. Just being like, okay, I haven't raced since Salt Lake City of last year. Let's go racing now. So that really helped a lot because we did a lot of bike changes there, and then we went into Minneapolis ready to go. Yeah, and you know what? That's something that uh, I, I spoke to Mitchell Oldenburg about, and obviously uh, things went completely sideways for him when uh, he wasn't able to, to qualify for the first round uh, due to some bike issues and an LCQ issue. Uh, honestly, anytime you're in an LCQ, it's just a total crapshoot. Um because of just the nature of those races. But I think there's uh, some serious validity to um, if you're going to be, uh, say, if you're going to be a 15 to, to 20th place guy uh, on the East Coast, go get some gate drops in the 450 class uh, on the on the West. Uh, establish yourself. Get used to riding uh, stadium tracks versus uh, a supercross track that's built um, on a facility or out, out in California or something like that, because you as well as I know, they're different. The whoops are different. The, like the, the jump faces are built differently. Uh, like, what you'd ride at a at a local supercross track that thing's probably been sitting there for a couple of months uh and, and supercross tracks um for for fell those things get ripped apart in a matter of days um and, and that's got to be a huge adjustment for you as well yeah um yeah i've said that to a lot of people like a lot of people always say i'm like oh this kid's ripping at the track or this new kid's rip so going so fast and stuff like that and then they go to the race and they're completely off when you see and other than you see maybe like me at the practice track like i'm not going super duper fast or anything like i'm just getting my laps in figuring everything out and then i go to the race and then i qualify 13th they're like just they're confused but i'm like look it's a lot different like 
you're at a practice track. One, you're at a track where you're riding it every single day. Yeah, you got you're it getting down. used to it for Yeah, you have it down for the past three months. Now you're going to a brand new track that's just got built. It's gonna get chewed up. It's gonna get just way worse than a normal practice facility is. And normally the facility ones are a little bit more tame and uh the real ones are just peaky and they, the whoops get just chewed up in the first session so yeah it's a lot different and i think a lot of experience comes with that and i i think when you i like how this year i've normally been at a facility where i've had like one track i've trained at but now that i'm living in texas um i i've been training at master pools uh tapped house and john short's house um just three different tracks so i'm like bouncing around so it's kind of bringing my uh skills to different tracks so it's helped a lot Certainly. I, I think that's a, a great um, little uh, like, like added bonus to your current program. Uh, another thing that uh, the, the Supercross Live guys knew about you is that you would train over at uh, the Carmichael Farm. Uh, how, how much training did you actually do there? Uh, was it exclusive? Um, and, uh, and do you miss being uh, a Florida guy? Because if, if I'm not mistaken, that's where you're originally from. Uh, so I'm originally from Tennessee. That's where uh, originally from. But uh, yeah, I lived in yeah I lived in Tallahassee, Florida for eight years. Um, but yeah, I did. Uh, that's where I did the school. I moved there for school and for go training Noles. because I knew there was a lot. Of, yeah, I didn't go Knowles, and uh, and I knew there was a lot of facilities down there. And I ended up I started at GPF for a year or two, and then but then I found my home at the Carmichael Farm. I was there I think for four years, and. Um, it was unbelievable. I loved it there. That's kind of the cool, family, man. Ricky. I'm not just like yeah, uh, Ricky. You got to know how cool that is. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. Ricky, Jeannie, like Jeannie became like my Tallahassee mom. Like we still text it a lot, and like she was so sweet. But on the track, she was a hard ass. Like she was the trainer. Like Ricky came out and did the technical side of it all, but Jeannie was the one who was having a stop on the stopwatch, kicking her ass, telling us how to do it and what to do. And uh, I definitely missed that whole thing. And I, I'm so happy that I was able to have that experience, have that relationship with Ricky and Jeannie and Big Rick and everyone that I met there. And I got to ride with a lot of great riders there too. For sure. Full disclosure, if uh, if, if Ricky's in shape, and he is now, he was uh, a little bit more hamsterish for a couple of years there. Uh, <laughs> was uh, what, 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 Do you got anything for that guy at all? Oh, he's still man, way too he, fast. He, oh, he literally had every single year there. He always got like a new Suzuki uh, bike when he was on Suzuki's. He just kept everything stock, stock suspension and everything, and still would come wax us on the Supercross track. He would hit the Supercross loops wide open on stock suspension. I'm just like, how are you doing this? It's just unbelievable. Because he did it on two strokes, bro. Dude, he just—he's just so skillful. It's unbelievable. I was always pissed because like he would jump in behind us in the middle of a moto and then just like run us high in a berm, and I'm like, dude, this dude still rips. Yeah, no. The the reason why uh, Carmichael's able to do that is because he was doing so on a 2001 KX 250 with 48 mil uh, forks and uh, and, a, and a subframe that was probably cut down about uh, 10. 10 mils easy uh but um tell me a little bit about uh moving over to texas how long have you been there uh you'd mentioned some different uh like different pl- tracks you're riding and um tell me a little bit about this team as well as well and uh and the fact that you guys all run handguards which to me that's cool handguards 
it's all like I, I think that adds 10 horsepower easy yeah um so yeah i just moved to texas uh this is where that job was um i'm in fort worth now i just bought a, my first house um in here so i'm really happy about that um and yeah i'm training down here at john short's house master pools and tapped house those are the three kind of places that we're riding and uh riding with john a lot and also riding with henry miller a lot he's actually just moved down here as well uh, like he and I just saw him at a trap one of the tracks one day and I'm like dude what are you doing here he's like I just moved here and he's like four miles from me so it worked out pretty good and we're pretty good friends and um it those are two really good riders that I'm able they're actually my competition at the races like I caught we were all qualified into the uh, main event into the uh triple crown through practice so it shows that riding together really helps um with each other and it's been a lot of fun and yeah I got to um now I'm with this new team Mad Parts uh, Kawasaki, uh, sponsored by Circuit Equipment, Nomura, and Jonesboro Cycle, uh, the title sponsors, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, it is unbelievably just one of the better teams I've been with. I have not had one day where I've been frustrated. Nothing's gone wrong, really. Like, if I ever needed something, we went. it did really well. Uh, MX Tech is helping us with our suspension, and they have been unbelievable with shipping it back and forth, testing. They've came down here for testing. They come to the races, and it's been awesome. And, yeah, we are running handguards. Our whole team is on handguards, and that is from uh, Circuit Equipment. They are a big t- uh, big pro- uh, part in our program. They help out us completely. They have our grips uh, the and all the uh, hang guards they also have the uh, rotor um, rotor guards and they have tons of different other stuff that we use on their equipment and they wanted us to run hang guards and we're like let's do it and i'm actually used to that because i rode gene cc's back in the day and i'm a big hang guard guy even in outdoors and in amateurs i wore hang guards so i'm back in the saddle of that and i'm happy and yeah, I couldn't be happier with this team. Joan Cross and Bubba Polly are the other two riders. Uh, Ryan Kuntz is our manager. He's doing great. And then uh, my mechanic, Jake, he's been doing awesome. And uh, Jason and Oriel, the other two mechanics, everyone is just put together great, and I couldn't be happier. No, it, it, honestly, it looks like you're in a good place. I think that it, it's and it's showing in your results and just uh, your uh, your body language on the bike. Uh, not able to, not having to worry about everything else. Just show up, ride your motorcycle, know that it's in good condition, know that it, it's taken care of, and that if uh, if something does break, it can it can be replaced and fixed, and that, that you've got great uh, uh, equipment. And I think that speaks volumes to uh, like the the diligence and hard work of a guy like. Um, Bubba Polly. Bubba has been with that team for a long period of time now. He's cultivated a lot of the relationships uh, that that basically make up what supports that team. And uh, yeah, maybe talk about that a little bit. Is in the fact that uh, Bubba just is such a hands-on guy and a salt of the earth guy from the middle of the country who uh, wears a heart in his sleeve and uh, and takes on some really really interesting and, and neat initiatives as well as uh, like as much as the guys like he's a fun guy to be around. He's all business and he really takes care of things. Oh, yeah. So I've given him a lot of props this year. Um, I've known Bubba for quite a while um, and or just from racing and everything like that. And I've I've really been impressed this year just how he balances the manager or team owner role and a rider. Um, It kind of it's funny. I was telling my parents when they were asking me how the team was. And I'm like, I kind of see myself and him or I'm we're similar. Like I was able to balance school and racing and he's able to balance this big part in a team 
and uh, and race also at the same time. Like I see a big work ethic in him, and um, a big part of him that I've seen is he doesn't get mad or frustrated at stuff. Like if something goes wrong, he just sits there and he's like, "All right, what can we do to fix this?" And um, he's given that a lot of uh, props to uh, his new uh, trainer and like mental coach, Denny. Dooley, uh, that's another part of the guy of the team. He's helping out the whole team. He's at the races, helping out with like kind of the mental side of everything. And he's given a lot of props to them for that. And I've just been really impressed with that. He, every single Sunday we have a team meeting, he puts together and he says, come up with three goods and three bads, what we can do better and what that went well throughout the week. And it's, I've, I've been really impressed with this and I really hope that I can bring them some results this year and they'll want me back for next year. For sure. Absolutely. Something that uh, build with it. And uh, yeah, man, the handguards look good. I don't know why. I've always loved having handguards on the bike. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just me being a Travis Pastrana fan and having watched Revelation 199 until the tape broke and then buying it on DVD. Like, it's just, yeah, that's just, uh, it's a good look for me. So uh, goals for the remainder of the year. And uh, and also, uh, if you could speak to the, uh, uh, when you guys this weekend uh, were raising some money. Uh, and if see it, let me know if there's still um, some jerseys available to donate and win uh, for, you guys are raising money for awareness for uh, Autism Speaks. And that's a really cool thing. Yeah, so I'll I'll speak on that part first because that was a big thing we did this uh, this weekend. Uh, one of our sponsors, T3 Civil Inc., um, his daughter, uh, Balin, has autism, and he wanted to do something special with uh, Dallas where we could raise awareness for Autism uh, Speaks Foundation, and it went so great. We have a Plessinger jersey, a Benny Blosch jersey. Uh, they are two good, uh, two good friends of mine, and they – donated jerseys to give away and also we have jerseys of mine we're giving away other stuff that was on our bikes that from the weekend and we raised quite a bit of money Bubba was able to go on the podium and show uh everything that we were doing and I it was so awesome everyone came out that was with the foundation or not with foundation but with T3 Civil Link uh Devin uh that he was actually from my local area kind of and we grew up together so it was awesome seeing all of that come together. And I saw Balin this weekend. She was so happy and I gave her a big hug. Like she has a smile on her face. You can see it on our Instagram, on our team Instagram, like just a big smile on her face, holding one of the goggles that said uh, autism speaks. Uh, we had our gear, FXR did some custom stuff. Uh, our bar pad Phoenix uh, handlebars did a custom uh, stuff on there. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, our, uh, graphic company they did they an awesome stop, job top secret designs they did an awesome job making some custom stuff and also uh flow vision company our goggle company did a, some custom uh goggles for it literally all said autism speaks you can go to our uh i'm saying oh, a lot <laughs> uh go, you can Not go to our in post-production yeah, can i can go in and take them all out and make you sound so smooth just like you are out on that motocross track <laughs> perfect and uh yeah but you can actually go to our mad parts kalifaki team uh instagram and our link is on there where you can donate every ten dollars you get one entry for the jerseys and everything that we're giving away and then once it kind of slows down we're gonna probably do the giveaway and go from there but yeah it was awesome seeing all that come together this weekend 
it's a fantastic team over there. The Mad Parts Kawasaki. I know you've got a ton of great uh, supporters, not only uh, the team members, but also some uh, some personal trainers and stuff like that. Who do you have to thank? Yeah, uh, so I've been working with a guy named Drew Whitehead, uh, DW Performance. I've been working with him for probably like five years, four or five years now. Um, I got in contact with him in Tallahassee through Jace Owen, and we just built a great relationship since then. Uh, he just knows where I need to be, how my body works on the bike and off the bike in the gym and everything like that. He knows when I need to, when I need to push and when I don't. Um, I had a pretty big injury in 18 where I tore my ACL and I just left it torn, um, because the season was about two, a month or two away. So he was able to strengthen the muscles around the ACL or around where the ACL would have been. And I still don't even have my ACL and it hasn't had any problems. So I've been really happy with Drew and I wouldn't be here without him, without him, honestly. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, good to give him some uh, some props as well. Uh, I've talked to this about uh, even with Colt Nichols. He's been working with the same trainer for a lot of years. You can probably speak to the fact that working with the same individual year over year, you develop that trust, the base, and that knowledge that uh, that individual needs to have in order to sort of tap right into what makes you tick as an athlete as well as uh, what are those uh, thresholds that they can either uh, kind of push past or uh, or they kind of they, they know what sort of level that uh you need to be able to to perform at your best yeah exactly goals for the remainder of the season i know that you want to be up there i think honestly it would probably be to sort of match that qualifying you're able to put in a lap uh and be in that top 13 um and as the the series goes on continuously with uh, the 250 class on the east coast i could seriously see you in the top 12 top 10 yeah, so that is definitely my goal. Um, yeah, so in Minneapolis, I qualified 16th. Uh, and then it was funny because I was actually in C practice in Minneapolis because I was actually confused because I went, that was my first time in 250 in a couple of years, and, I, and they put me in C. And I went, went up to them, I'm like, really, guys, C? And they're like, oh, man, we didn't even notice that. They're like, we just went by numbers, like literally like mm. 100 to 200. So, so I had a high number. I was in C. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. And I actually had a fresh track. So, I qualified pretty well, and everyone's like, oh, you were in C practice, you had a good track, blah, blah, blah. And then I come to this weekend and get in B practice, which still is a decent track, but it's still not as, like, fresh as C. And then I qualify 13th. So I was like, all right, I, mat- I-, I matched it. I even did better. So I know my speed is there. I was confident coming into this season. I know that I'm going to be able to do- go fast, and I just need to work on my race intensity. I want to be in that top 10 by the end of the season. My best finish ever in the 250 class is an 11th. So I want to beat that and I want to kind of show that I'm able to be up there and not just put one lap in. Um, this weekend's race was kind of an up, up and down. Uh, the first main event, I just, I'll admit, I just rode like a sea rider. I just, my head was not in it for some reason. It just didn't ride well. Um, I just wasn't comfortable for some reason. I guess I didn't warm up good enough, but. Then second main event, my riding felt better for the first, like, two lap, two or three laps. And then Cody Shock ended up crashing pretty hard, and um, it kind of took down a few of us, and I was in that pileup, so that kind of ruined that moto. And then the third main, I uh, got a bad start, but my riding felt a lot better. I was able to push at the end. I was able to pass uh, Jarrett Fry and Marshall Welton right at the end. So I had some speed, I just and I caught, like, the little group of uh, Miller, Short, uh, Varese, Fry, and all of them. I caught them at the beginning, 
but I just got stuck behind Fry. Like he, he was riding really good, but it's, it was a pretty one line track and I just couldn't find a line to get around them. And I just, I pulled the trigger too late. Like I needed to pull the trigger to pass right away and just keep moving forward. So now I know what to do for the future for these next races. And that was kind of my, honestly, my first kind of race really, because in Minneapolis, I missed the heat race because there was a bike malfunction with my bike. So I, on, on the line, we got to the line and uh, some bike wouldn't start. We had a battery issue because of the cold weather ended up making our my battery go dead and um so we actually have a fresh battery in the backpack now um but yeah so then i did the lcq but i was over there and the same thing with oldenburg we were on the very outside gate there was no way if we were going to get a start like i even had a really good jump i got into the corner but everyone just pushed outside and i was like 15th coming in and even i mean it shows that that track had zero passing and even oldenburg couldn't even get into the main event so that was uh, so this weekend was really my first real race to kind of get into that groove and I think Daytona will be a lot better for me. I've always loved Daytona and I think coming into this round I'm going to be confident and push early and be aggressive. Love it, man. Well, uh, best of luck to you for the remainder of the season. This has been actually a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, you've surprised me, my friend. Uh, and and it, despite a few ums, uh, which I I can take that. That uh, I I think that you're uh, certainly on the right track uh, on in the the career side of things as well as uh, on the racing side of things, and that's adding up to uh, to a lot of success for you. So, uh, looking forward to seeing how you do in uh, Daytona and the rest of the series. But most of all, thanks for making the time today, Josh. Yeah, of course. I love coming on podcasts, and thank you, Brad, for having me. Uh, Anytime you want to have me again, I'd love to come on. I'd love to share my story i love to share uh love for my team and my new team uh the mad parts uh circuit equipment namura jonesboro cycle kawasaki i uh, love having them and i can't wait to have a great year with them and let's keep it rolling right on people will if you are aren't already following jay cartwright 519 on instagram you're completely missing out go on there check out some of the posts uh enter to win ten dollars gets you one entry to win some it looks like some jerseys as well as uh flow vision goggles uh go check it out and uh and it looks like there's also a jersey from aaron plessinger wishing him the best of luck with uh or, or a speed recovery from that broken arm josh this has been an awesome conversation i really appreciate the time do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. That uh, sounds good, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, that was awesome. Pleasantly surprised with Josh Cartwright. Not that I thought he was going to be a bad interview, but uh, uh, I think that was one of the better interviews that I've done in the last little while. Uh, extremely candid, great insight, and uh, extremely well-spoken. So look for us to have uh, Josh on again in the near future. Uh, he was an absolute pleasure to have on, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Switch gears here a little bit, uh, go back to the 450 class with Joan Cross. Haven't had uh, him on the podcast before. Certainly look to uh, have him on again as well. Um, great conversation with him and a little bit of insight into uh, him racing over in Spain and then how he, he uh, basically compares that to racing here in the U.S. Uh, so um, tune in to this interview with Joan Cross brought to you by Guts Racing. And now welcoming... Onto the podcast for the very first time, Joan Cross uh, from the Mad Parts Kawasaki. Joan, how's it going? Hi, hi, yeah, really good. Here we are on the way to Tampa after Dallas Super Show. 
perfect. Dallas in the rearview mirror, off in the distance. Tampa, I understand you did some testing today. Yeah, we, we went to ride the GPF today, and yeah, it was on the way, so so we just did some suspension testing, and, and yeah, bike's uh, good now, so so yeah, ready to race in Daytona. Awesome. Um, a career best season for you so far in Supercross, multiple main events uh, won. Uh, what has been the difference for you so far this season, uh, this being your second year working with the team? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's actually... I think your yeah, third uh, year, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... But, yeah, you know, every every year you learn a little bit, and here it's, of course, different than, than the Supercross that we have there, and tracks are way more difficult, and, yeah, it's a different kind of a style of Supercross. So, so yeah, uh, every year learning and, and improving and getting better, so, so that's good. So I, I, I know you've got some championships from back home in your uh, native country of Spain. Um, how are the tracks different? Obviously, there's probably like they're I don't know if the, the, the Spanish Supercross tracks are, are in full size stadiums. Maybe you can get into that a little bit. How do the two series differ? And um, like, is it also just a comfortability uh, feeling for you being home and, and, and being a sort of a dominant rider in that series? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you race home, it's always good, you know. Like you have a lot of crowd that they they push uh, like crazy, like especially like when we have the Barcelona race. But yeah. but yeah, uh, the races we have there, like we have the winter season that it's a small same, like the Rena Cross that you guys have here, and and then we have the summer races that the track is a little bigger, but you know, like it's pretty mellow and uh, yeah, always said like it's a different style and. And yeah, like always, like when you're far from home, so that's not, not easy. But but yeah, we like uh, pretty good with all the teams, so so that make it uh, that make it way more easy. Hundred percent. So and and that's good to hear that you're you're getting more and more comfortable over here. This being your third full season racing Supercross over in the United States. Uh, what has been the biggest adjustment for you uh, as far as um, putting in those qualifying times? Uh, I'm not entirely sure how the qualifying works uh, over in uh, in Spain, but uh, what are the things that you struggle with, and how do you sort of um, make those adjustments and work with the team to be able to put your best foot forward on Saturdays? Yeah, I mean that that depends a little bit, you know, from the every week and and every month, is, you know, something's different, and yeah, sometimes you feel that you're better in some parts of the track and you know, and some seasons you're better uh, in another parts and and yeah, that's that's like every year is different. Like also like depending from how how it works the bike and 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 all these things, you know. But um, yeah, uh, we just all the team uh, we have like kind of same mentality. We just try to to be better every time that we're in the track and try to push all we can. Doesn't matter the results. So. So I think that's the most important thing, and and then of course, yeah, uh, when we check the videos and and all these things, or or yeah, almost all the times, at least to me, I mean, I don't need to check the videos. I know where I'm, you know, uh, where I need to to improve, because you you can see the other guys in the track with you, right? So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much everything.
For sure. And, and certainly this year has, like I said, been been your best season so far. Um, putting it into the main events on a regular basis, um, I think there's a, a big difference between hoping to get into mains and then getting into them and then expecting to get into the mains. And I think that's where you're at now, where you're, you're actually starting to feel like it's somewhere usually where you seriously belong in those main events. And, and now that you're in them on a regular basis, you can start racing forward and, uh, and competing closely with guys like Cade Clayson and, uh, and the rest of, uh, like the, um, the, the Kyle Chisholm's of the world. Uh, have you set your sights a little bit higher uh, over this season now that you've been able to make it into the main events and uh, you've been a, pr- a pretty regular guy in there? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was good last year to finish the season, you know, with a, with a, with a main event in Salt Lake City. Um, and, and then uh, this year, yeah, in the second round, we had another main, so that was really good. And, and yeah, I lost, like, Two times this year, uh, the trans squad in the last lap. So that that was like you know that sometimes like uh, it holds you like a little bit like this LCQ like from Dallas. But I just took it easy, you know. I didn't wanted to fight with anyone because like when you start to fight with the other guys, then you know the the rest of the pack that goes and be surprised in the last in the last lap or like Kate pass uh, Ryan Breeze and me. In Anaheim one or 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 in I think it was Anaheim Anaheim two or Anaheim three I think it was like when I lost the spot in the last corner also uh, with Moran but but yeah you know uh, the LCQs are been like little crazy and and yeah the goal is try to don't be there you know um, we need to to work hard um, for be first in the group A in qualifying get a, a a better gate pick that's really important for me because we have stuck by them and we have that gate pick then uh you know try to, to qualify easily from the semi from the hitter that will be that will be awesome but but yeah um some work that we need to do and and especially for me uh, i need to, to improve my uh performance in the main events Definitely. Like, like I said, I, th- I think you've uh, you've really taken a step forward this year, and you're totally right. Those LCQs are wild. Uh, if you don't get a good start, it's the race is kind of over before it starts. Uh, but even if you're in that top four, five, six, um, it's it's bare knuckle boxing in there. You got Ryan Brees, who who doesn't shy away from contact. In fact, none of you really do. Um, is that something that, that comes naturally to you as far as being aggressive on the track, or is it something that you've had to sort of adapt a little bit, uh, having been in those situations a little bit? You, you like f- From the very beginning of watching you race Supercross, uh, I wouldn't say that you were a bit shy to get into there and, and, and kind of, uh, I wouldn't say, like, get a little bit physical, but it's something I think it's something you've had to sort of uh, adapt to. Yeah, you know, like, that thing is, in Europe, like we have like in the winter like these small tracks, so so we're used to be aggressive and the block passes and everything. But uh, yeah, it was now it starts to be a little more aggressive here, but it's more hard uh, to to be aggressive, you know, in these kind of tracks because like you need to know where because if not, you lost a lot of time, you know, trying to make the move or being aggressive. So uh, it's kind of like with the years you you learn that and. And obviously in the LCQ, like it's crazy, you know. You know, you have like a lot of guys that they can make it, and and you have only four spots, so uh, everyone wants to be there, and everyone is is wild. 
Certainly. They're, like Every time you go to the LCQ, there's minimum eight guys who, uh, if you look at that LCQ, you're like, yeah, th- those four, eight, all, all eight of those guys should make it through, uh, and they have e- equal chance, but the reality is, is that only four of them are going to do so. Um, you've proven that you you can get good starts, you can ride consistently, um, and you've also been able to, in a, a, more than a couple of occasions, uh, go from a fifth place spot and race all the way through to actually uh, either be first or second in those uh, those races. Um, t- take me through the the pr- like sort of the process of being like, yeah, I'm in third right now, but I don't know if there's someone coming up who's could possibly uh, take me like completely remove me from the uh, the equation. Like, if you're in third or second, are you sort of just like, Kate, let's just cool it, we're in, like, don't challenge for the lead, or are you just continuously racing forward all the way to the checkered flag? Yeah, I mean, that that's a little bit like, how I said, depend also, like, from who's with you, no? Yeah. Um, like, like, for example, like, some guys that we race, uh, you know, all the LCQs, and we pretty much are always, like, together, like, with Kate or... Or, or guys like these, like, or Freddy, or these guys that you know that they don't really make, like, anything stupid. But then you have another guy that they are wild, or you have one guy that is not used to be in this four transfer spot, and he gets crazy even if he's first or second, and he's trying to, you know, to stop everybody. But, like, for example, this weekend, I just let, like, Kate by and Logan by because I knew that we had, like, a big gap. And I was just trying to don't crash and say, like, if you guys, you, you want to ride fast, you can ride fast, you know, I just want to, to make it through the main and I don't care if it's second or fourth, you know. And mm-hmm. but yeah, one of my goals for the season is one LCQ is also so so <laughs> I need to try to do that in some point. Well that's awesome man. You definitely uh you're you're showing some skills. Um where does uh, Daytona kind of come uh, come in into a factor for you? It's a different style of race, it's a different style of track. Um, does, do you think that it plays into your strengths, or is that a track that you think you might struggle at? Yeah, so um, looking for, you know, from the outside, I always thought, like, Daytona it would be, like, super good for me because, you know, it's not, like, this super close and I'm not used, and I, I was pretty good, you know, those. Um, but all the years I struggled a lot, like, I had, like, in 2020, I think it was 17 the LCQ. That was not bad. But the other years, I struggled a lot. Like, last year was, yeah, it was really, really, really bad. And, and yeah, uh, we will try that. That will happen this year. So, um, I hope we can prep uh, the race this week really good. And, and yeah, just just try to, to change that, you know? Certainly. Like, you're a guy who's now made it into some main events on a regular basis, but there's also weekends where you end up fifth and sixth in the LCQ, which has to be a, a bitter pill to swallow. How do you have a short memory and just sort of bounce back the following week and, and put it back in? Like, how, like, um, take us through sort of the emotional roller coaster of, uh, of, of getting close, falling short, and then uh, ha- having to sort of uh, set your sights for the very next weekend. Yeah, I mean, like, when you're fifth in the LCQ, you're maybe mad because you didn't make it, but it's it's really not a bad thing, you know? Like, I mean, if you're just an Anderson and you're fifth in the LCQ, it's bad. But, like, like for us, like, we fight for make the mains every week. So so if you're there, like, 
and you're always like there five, six, four, three, you know, like that you know, you're in the line so uh it can be like good every weekend. So that's what what we're working, you know, like try to to cross the line every weekend. Certainly, certainly. And so um traveling the the country with Bubba Paul, you've gotta have some stories on the guy. Uh what are some quirks and, and different like like what's What's uh what's Bubba Polly like to uh to travel with? Yeah, we're like all the team, like just Bubba's here with me like he's driving. Like oh, pretty much always I drive and he sleeps, but but now it's the opposite. So and and <laughs> he's here in my side. And and yeah, all all the all the other three mechanics that they are with us. Um normally it's like uh Jake Price and we all that he's from he's from Spain and and we're the four but now uh, we have another rider Josh that's racing the we the East Coast so so we have Jason that he's been with us like he he started with us in 2019 and and he's ranging for for Josh now also on the East Coast so so yeah we're like five and uh, yeah we did that travel now also like um, from yeah Dallas to to Daytona, it's uh, it's not close. It's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, lot, lot, logging lots of miles there, man. Um, being like you, obviously, you go back to Spain in the like sort of off season uh, during nationals and stuff like that. I'd imagine. What do you miss most about being home uh, when you're over in the states? And uh, uh, what can you do to make uh, the U.S. of A. feel a little bit more like home? Uh, I assume you maybe do some cooking. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the food is a, a, a yeah, big change, but but you know I, I'm used to you know and uh, also you have races that like for example this weekend in Dallas was like like a lot of people you know from from even from Spain and from Mexico and from South America that they come they came there and they follow my video blogs and all these things and and also like Pedro Gonzalez was there all the weekend with us and and, and yeah uh, you know you have some races that. Uh, you feel like more close home. Certainly, like who? What's uh, um, what what's a, a dish that you've you've cooked for the boys on the road, and uh, what's an American dish that you didn't think you were gonna like, or you discovered over here that you just absolutely love? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, probably the food is is one of the the, the worst things I think, and. You have all, a lot of things from food that they are good, but they are not healthy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they taste really I can good, see that. They are not healthy. But, but yeah, um, it's always different. You know, we're used to travel around all the world and um, everywhere, like, it's different, you know? Like, um, if we compare, like, Europe to here, like, it's not that different if you compare, like, from you know, U.S., from Asia, you know, for example, or or Africa or, or other places. So I think uh, compared from the other parts of the world, uh, Europe and U.S. is pretty close in a lot of things. And uh, one of the things that I like more is like the schedule, the day schedule. Like um, we're used to uh, get the dinner like really late in the night and, and you know, and go to the bed late also. And I like, I like here when you take dinner like early and you go bed early. Um, especially now when you're, you're during the season, like,
Yeah, definitely. It, it sounds like it's a much much better uh, system for you. Awesome. Um, there's been some talk today with some information coming out about the inner the uh, the World Supercross series. Uh, of course, you're you're lock, stock, and barrel into the AMA stuff right now. Do you have any interest in uh, in eventually uh, logging some races with that series as well? Uh, as of right now, the the series would run uh, a lot different schedule than uh, current AMA Supercross. Is that something you'd be interested in uh, throwing your hat in the ring for? Yeah, we didn't have like yeah like a lot of information about about that. Uh, I think that maybe this year will be like just small championship. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And the plan is for next year they want to have like a big one, um, but never matching the dates with uh, EMA. So so yeah, um, you know the people talk a lot, but we don't know uh, nothing sure now. So so yeah, we'll see what what happens. And if we have like two big championships, that will be awesome. Certainly, absolutely. No, I, I think that would be uh, right up your alley, man. You're uh, you're an international star there. Um, so, what are your goals for uh, the remainder of the season? Obviously, uh, more main events uh, and and some career bests. Uh, what would, like, uh, but what are some realistic goals that you've set for yourself for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's before you say like go with the, like the goal. But, but yeah, uh, how I said, I need to improve my my performance in the mains. You know, I I did a lot a lot of mains alone in my house this <laughs> this winter. So and and I rode way better than than I did in this in the mains I had here. So so I need to improve that and and yeah, also like if I can uh, get the best car result for sure, that will be nice. But but yeah, we need to improve that a lot. Get some points out there. Uh, last question I really have for you is I already mentioned it to uh, to Bubba as well as Josh. Uh, you guys as well as um, Max Volan all run handguards in Supercross, which is something that you don't see a lot often. Um, they're brilliant and, and loud, and uh, you can certainly see them when, uh, when you're up front in those LCQs. Uh, do you like the handguards? Uh, I'm personally a fan myself. What are your thoughts on uh, running the handguards, those green ones on uh, on your bike there? Yeah, man, I, I love it. Like, uh, I had to get the handguards, like uh, these hangers. I was using that before that, that in Europe, that before we started to use, to use it here in US, and I always like it. Like, one thing is they look like really cool, but the other thing for me, like. It's, uh, we have a lot of contact in Supercross, and I cut my finger one time in 2012, and I had like all my finger was uh, inside from the gloves, and and yeah. So one doctor in Germany they put me again the finger on the on the hand, you know, it was like completely like in, inside of the gloves. So so after that I I run it like almost always uh, the hangers. Yeah, safety first. Plus, like in my opinion, I think it looks damn cool. Uh, so maybe if someone's listening, they need to get them themselves some circuit equipment, uh, hand guards. Uh, this has been so much fun to uh, catch up with you a little bit, uh, Joan. I'll definitely look to to get you on again. Um, the 848 in your program. Thank you so much for making time for the podcast. Yeah, no problem, man. Nice to be here, and, and yeah, see you soon. Absolutely, man. Give give those sponsors a, a thank you for us uh, before we let you go. Excuse me. I said give those sponsors uh, some some love before I uh, let you off the phone call. Yeah, man. Like 
we're, we're really happy about that because we have, we have like a, uh, a lot of partners and sponsors that uh, they they they've been with us like you know for a long it's not like short term like things you know like uh, even like with Namura with Circuit Marbach the Jump Sport guys like like Seekings and Aeromoto we have like a lot a lot I don't want to forget anyone you know like we have like uh, top second guys that they're working with uh, Baba for like I don't know maybe ten years Baba or something like this and and, and, and yeah, you know, like you have the Pirelli guys, the non-exhaust guys, and right engineering plants, or people, uh, you know, Rhino Power, Flow Vision, FXR, you know, aesthetics guys, appliances, um, boots, and I, we have like, yeah, a lot of, you know, uh, people that we've been working for for long, and, and, yeah, we're happy that they are happy, you know? <laughs> 100%. Well, it's great to hear that uh, you've got great supporters and you enjoy working with them. Uh, Juwan Cross here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Thank you so much for making time for the show, Juwan. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, no problem. See you guys. Bye. And there you have it. Mad Parts. Kawasaki. These guys are absolutely amazing. They do so much for the sport um, and and the, the causes that they race for. And I, I just can't say enough good things about Bubba Pauly and Josh Cartwright, uh, Joan Cross as well. Great team, uh, great team members uh, and, and, and really professional guys who uh, put their best foot forward, race hard. Uh, they're passionate about it. Bubba's been part of those, uh, uh, the science of Supercross and in, in, uh, showing some of those things as well. And and uh, I honestly can't think of too many people who uh, are better ambassadors for the sport of Supercross than uh, than the Mad Parts Kawasaki boys. So if you're in the pits, give those guys uh, some love. Go and check them out. Uh, they are sponsored by Get Shit Done Coffee as well, if I'm not mistaken, which is super, super cool. Um, yeah, go check those guys out. They're fantastic. Uh, and, and honestly, going to check out some of these privateer teams is your kind of keys to the VIP as far as getting some next level access. Uh, you're going to be able to speak directly to some of these athletes that are only a few seconds off um, of, of the top, top times in the entire sport. And, and that, that that's insight that uh, I, I think is, is incredibly un- underrated. Like... Um, of course, we want to get in line and get, and get an autograph from Eli Tomac, but Eli Tomac's not going to stand there for 10 minutes discussing the track with you and, and talking about his suspension. Guys like Bubba Pauly will do that. Guys like Josh Cartwright will do that, and, and they're just a tick off of those elite times and those kind of untouchable riders uh, that even if you uh, pay for a VIP fan experience, and, and trust me, I've done it, uh, you're not going to get... Uh, a crazy amount of time with those top top guys, and that's why also I've always been a huge proponent of the of the collective experience with Dave Drake's. Is uh, it's an inclusive thing that it's going to be you're going to have that behind the velvet rope feel um, with athletes that are right at the cusp of some of the most incredible, like just abs- like the most the fastest guys in the world. Like they, these guys qualify for main events. And night shows uh, in amongst uh, some of the most uh, elite talents that we've seen on two wheels. And uh, and Bubba Polly, uh, Joan Cross, as well as Josh Cartwright are certainly one of them. So uh, go check those guys out in the pits if you have the opportunity. If Supercross is coming to, to a track near you or in the future. If you're listening to this, you've probably been to a few races. You're going to go to some races in the future. Go check those out. So I would uh, certainly uh, encourage that. Go to BigMXRadio.com. 
enter our raffle. I appreciate anybody who does. Um, we're pulling the, the prizes June 1st, so you do have some time, but tickets will sell out for this raffle. So you want to go to BigMXRadio.com, get yourself some tickets, get yourself sorted for that, and I appreciate your time to listen to this podcast. You guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next week.